0: Thanks for listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings. You know the drill, $5 in, new customers only for these NBA games. You get $150 in free plays. You win, you know what? You can make more money than Brad or I can make right now. That simple, that easy. All right. With William brad Alice, I am merely Mike Luke. Hello, William. How are you doing? Good, Michael. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. All right. So you and I were talking a little bit off air, but uh, figured we'd lead with this um was talking with somebody that would know a little bit more than me um, there are those people out there and um he I asked him about uh, Christian Coloco and um what he would uh, you know Christian Coloco's role in the NBA and he said something and he I thought he put it really succinctly he said listen he said everybody in the league knows that he can Christian Coloco is a can defend and he's a very versatile defender The problem is you don't know what to do with him offensively because he's not really a rim runner because he doesn't have the fluidity, the strength to be able to slam the ball in the way that, you know, some of these other guys can. And he hasn't really shown that he's a stretch the court type guy. It, I was always looking for a, uh, uh, an analysis like that at Coloco and I thought he hit the nail on the head. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah. And I think, I personally was a little surprised Coloca went all in on the draft and I assume he has signed with the agent. I, I don't know for sure. Um, but I always thought he should be a guy who should test the waters and then figure out where he's at. Because my thought was, and I didn't think of the rim runner thing because we can see him. slump, But I just thought he needed a jump shot to, to make it in the NBA because you pretty right. much have to now. Right. It is a jump shot league. um, I still think there is a role for him. I think a a team, you know, if you're a team who has four scores, you can maybe get by with Coloco as a rebounder, shot blocker, uh, put back kind of guy. Right. But um, you do limit yourselves at times. I think his best bet is to be a big guy off the bench. And then you hope he can develop because you see the leaps he has made uh, since he got to Arizona. And then in year one uh, of the Tommy Lloyd uh, experiment. And, and if you give a lot of credence to Ricardo Foy's role in player development, he's an NBA uh-huh. guy. Uh, maybe you're calling him and I could see a good team maybe taking a flyer on him. But I think it would be a real shame if Coloco left school to be a, 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 a mid second round draft pick. Right. And I think that about most these guys. I know a lot of kids are completely happy. They just want to get into a camp and they all have belief in themselves and you kind of have to to be an elite athlete. Um, and maybe I'm just a little more conservative when it comes to my future occupations. Um, but if I'm not a a first round draft pick, I I can't see myself leaving early unless I really need the money. And my understanding is the family doesn't need now. Again, is it life changing money if he, if he sticks? Yeah. But you know, dad's, I think an engineer, uh, the family Mm -hmm. has a, a real, uh, pays a real high, uh, um, you know, amount of, of honor on education, and so I was like, uh, yeah, little, little surprised that he went all in. But again, do I think he's in the NBA next year? Yeah. Now it might be on a two-way contract. It might be up and down. Um, but yeah, I think, I think he's too athletic and too intriguing not to have a role. I mean, cause frankly, if you look at him and you look at Zeke Nanji, right. I think Coloco has got way more upside. Nanji was a first round draft pick and Coloco right now might right. be a second.
0: I think what's in, was I think you hit the nail on the head though. I think what Coloco really could have gained by, and I think that Tommy Lloyd would have gone along with this, is okay, you work on your perimeter shooting. You know what? You're gonna get two threes a game this uh, this coming season or whatever. Let's say you knock down 35% of those and you show that you know what, you can be a three-point shooter. I think you're just far more marketable. And I think you made I think you hit the nail on the head that this is a guy that He's got too much talent to be a second round pick. Again, you know, I'm I'm not gonna he obviously feels comfortable with his decision, but it just feels like he's maybe selling himself a little bit short at this moment.
2: Yeah, you know, and with when you look at the fact that you could put him on the floor uh with Balo, mm-hmm. Balo's the 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 five with Coloco at the four, he shows he can knock down that that uh elbow jumper. Uh, you show that you can knock down and get, yeah, like you said, the three. Heck, maybe you show that you can put the ball on the floor for two dribbles and pull up from 17. Right. Uh, you know, you pump fake in the corner. And you, you see that all the time with, with NBA bigs. So I think there was a lot he could showcase that wouldn't ne- necessitate, ne- necessitate Tommy Lloyd really changing a whole, whole lot. Um, this isn't like Michael Wright asking to play <laughs> yeah, a little bit on exactly. the perimeter when Michael Wright was going to be asked to move to the five, because Arizona, if you remember that team that was coming oh, back yeah. in 02, um, he was going to play the five. He wasn't right. going to play the four because your, your bigs were Ricky Anderson mm-hmm. and the two freshmen. Yeah, and think... maybe. And you know, and, and, Wright could stroke it. Actually. I saw him in, I saw him hit like 15 out of 20, 15 foot, 18 foot jumpers in practice one day, but right. um, he wasn't going to get that opportunity. Whereas I think, Uh, you could get that opportunity on next year's team with Tommy Lloyd's style. And again, because of the other guys you have in the fold. Right. Um, Because you do have Tabelas, who at times can be a traditional big man. I mean, I know he's better facing the basket, but Balo, certainly. Um, You know, depending on who else comes in. Yeah, I think those minutes were there. And again, it doesn't take much. You're right. Two threes a game. One Mm -hmm. three a game. And you know maybe you hit 40% of those. Right. Uh, but yeah, now as it is, he's got his work cut out for him. Um, doesn't mean he can't do it. Doesn't mean he won't do it. But again, if I'm leaving school and I don't absolutely need the money, I think I'm looking for a more uh, secure situation. That being said, if next year you do that as a fourth year player and can't showcase those skills, then there's no way to anyone's taking a flyer on you. So I get that, too. It's, it's kind of like Brandon Ashley. Right. Ashley could have come back to Arizona and played his way into a first round draft pick. But if he breaks the foot again, he's never even getting a a, a, a 10 day contract. Right. His, he was done and ends up that he didn't play much of an NBA career. But that's the kind of you know thing you have to do. If I can't showcase as a 21 year old that what I couldn't showcase as a 19 year old, I'm certainly not getting drafted.
0: I think Frankie makes a great point here. Um, You got to, Coloco is one of these guys where, and I think Ben Matherin's a little bit like this too, and that there's got to be the right fit. You've got to find a franchise that knows how to use him. Like if you go to the Kings or someplace like that that doesn't know what they're doing, you could easily get lost. If Coloco went to like the Spurs or the uh, the Warriors, even if that's a second round pick, you know he's going to get top flight coaching. And that they would have some kind of a plan for him, which leads me into Dalen Terry. Let's talk about Dalen. Um, he's another guy. When you look at, he's starting to move up some mock drafts now. I kind of figured that that would happen when they start poking and prodding and realizing that he's legitimately six foot eight. Um, but he's another guy. He, he's he's a first round. He's a first round talent. Whereas if he's going in the second round, I think he has the world to gain by coming back, especially. When you look at next year's squad, where you've already got Ben Matherin, who's moved on, Kirk Crease is good. We've talked a ton about Kirk and Pella Larson, but they're kind of limited in what they can do with the dribble. Dale and Terry could be that guy that gets that opportunity to be able to make that work and really showcase some of those point-forward skills that you've been talking about for so long, William.
2: Well, the other thing is, it, with Terry, it's a much easier to showcase, because all he has to do is do what he's been doing, but a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, now does he want to showcase more of the point, uh, forward skills? Yeah, but he did it a lot last year. Um, you know, if he raises his three point percentage to what it was, what the final 10 games where I think it was respectable, uh, if he shows, and again, I know, I think he only has to score like 12 points a game. Mm -hmm. I don't think he has to dramatically, um, because again, NBA doesn't care about stats. Right. Uh, they care, they care about metrics. They care about, uh, eyeball tests. They care about upside. Right. And Terry has a lot of upside. That's why I think if Terry stays in the draft, he gets drafted. Again, sure. why risk being a second rounder without a guaranteed contract, without, um, you know, without the flexibility? Because you know we've seen it before, where when push comes to shove, you know, if you're fighting for that last roster spot, and I'll tell you two guys who were really affected by this, by being second round draft picks, one from Arizona, one was Miles Simon. Mm-hmm. Um, he got bumped out of Orlando really quick because of a first-round right. draft pick. Right. And the other was uh, Alonzo Trier. Um, you know who who put up good NBA numbers, but guess what? The next year, that first they w- that was the year the Knicks had multiple first-round draft picks, mm-hmm. all had guaranteed contracts. It's and a all those- big,
0: it's a massive difference between being a first and a second-round pick.
2: And we always joke about Wesley Johnson staying forever, or right. You know, but that's why, because those guaranteed contracts, even if you are the throw-in on the trade. You still got to pay the guy. So while Trier had a good little run in New York, what was it? 12, 13 points a game. Mm -hmm. And if you're paying, if you're paying a first round draft pick and he's getting you nine, the difference between three points is nothing in the NBA. So that's, that's the challenge these guys have of being second round draft picks. You have to be that much better. It's not okay. You know, Dalen Terry's here and, 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 you know, whoever it is, first round draft pick kids here, Terry's a little bit better. He makes the team, right? No, Terry has to be a million dollars better because you're eating some of that money or you have to find a place to right. ship uh, that first-round draft pick.
0: All right, let's talk about, for speaking Speaking of making money, good point, Brad, as always. Sean Seeley, Saguaro Cougar as well, always going to be making good points. Another good point, the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. All right, uh, yesterday, I've been bragging all year about the Miami Heat. They've just got stomped in Philadelphia for two straight games. Joel Embiid is back. Maybe you say, you know what? This Mike Luke doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm going to go against him. And If you're going to go against him, you're going to go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX, put in five bucks against what I'm predicting, get $150 in free plays either way, 21 and up, Arizona only, gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Real quick, Brad. Would you pay DRA8 in the Supermax that he's up for? Yes. Right. I would, too.
2: And and here's why. Um, One, are you going to get value trading him? I don't know. Maybe. Um, He fits that system perfect. He is still developing as a player. Um, Now, do I think he's worth it, quote unquote? No, I don't. But I don't think most of these guys are. As right. I was debating somebody about the merits of Tom Brady making 37 million a year to be a I saw your Facebook post. Uh, someone mentioned Westbrook getting 40 million. Westbrook's right. not worth 40 million. Right. But he gets paid that because the numbers say shit. But if you're the Suns and he, he, you know, I think just pay the guy the max. Um, you know, it it, it it fits in with their salary structure as it is because Chris Paul did kind of tweak it. You keep that core happy. Um You know, you and you've got this three-year probably run with Chris Paul, and then the thing is, you have to find all you really have to do if you keep that young core together, because they are super young, is find another point guard. Now, that's not easy, as uh, you know, as we know as Suns fans, finding that point guard and replacing a Chris Paul. But uh, you know, Devin Booker is just hitting his prime. You got Bridges, you got Cam Johnson, you got.
0: Aiton, that's a really good core to build around. You know what's fascinating to me about Aiton and why I would all I agree with you I would pay Aiton is that Aiton worst case scenario first of all he doesn't get hurt and he doesn't have the body that looks like he's going to really get hurt and I can still pencil you in for seventeen and ten worst case scenario. There's not a lot of guys that I can just say all right no matter what he's going to be able to get me seventeen and ten. So I mean
2: he's versatile enough. Uh, He has been at times a matchup nightmare for other teams. Um, yeah, again, in the and and we don't know three years from now, the the, the game could change again and they could put a bigger premium on a big man. And suddenly, Deandre Ayton's one of the most valuable pieces in the NBA. We don't know, right? I mean, if I had told you, you know, the game changes about every four or five years, and we don't, Ayton's got 10 left.
0: Let's talk about the transfer portal now as it relates to Tommy Lloyd. Um, I I have an interest, I have a thought on this one. Lloyd is a lot different than Miller, as we've talked about. and that Tommy Lloyd wants to bring in, he's very specific in who he offers. He's not just gonna throw you know a bunch of you know offers five stars and then see who fit. And you know that, and that's not a diss on Miller because he was really successful too in that. Lloyd is far more of a um, an analyzer on these things. But I also think that that can backfire though when it comes to transfer portal time though. I think you've got to basically have your homework done. And I'm not saying you didn't, but a lot of these kids, once they hit the portal, Brad, they're making that decision really, really quickly, whether that's because of NIL, whatever the case may be. you got to be ready to rock and roll, I think, with the transfer portal.
2: Yeah, but I also think at the same time, one, you have to, because he's trying to build a specific way, you can't bring in the delusional kid. Right. Um, a lot of these guys are leaving, you know, mediocre programs and think they're going to go to a, uh, a Power right. 5 team and be a stud. Right. No. Um, you know, l- look at uh, who's our buddy who who is much maligned here from UNC Asheville.
0: Uh, you know, oh, Dylan Smith, Dylan Anthony Chimino's favorite guy.
2: Dylan Smith averaged 14 points a game as a freshman at, at mm-hmm. UNC Asheville. Right. He came to Arizona and averaged six. Right. The the talent draw. And again, he played really well against good teams, but uh, some of these guys are putting up numbers in garbage time against bad, bad basketball teams. Right. But think that they, now other guys, you know, you look at the kid who just transferred to Creighton from South Dakota. He looks like he's going to step in and assume the exact same role. The Kansas
0: state kid can probably play the guy that averaged uh, Nigel Pack, the kid that but averaged he did it 20. Kansas
2: state. I'm talking. Yeah. Somebody's right. other. So what you have to do is, are you willing to come in and be for lack of a better word, uh, Justin Kyer? Mm-hmm. Kyra scored a bunch of points at George Mason, right? Went to Georgia and assumed a, a, a huge role, 11, uh, 12 points per game in the SEC. And then comes to Arizona and assumes even a lesser role, right? Um. So are you willing to do that? Because frankly, if you're Tommy Lloyd, you don't want Mark Lyons here. Right. And that's no diss on Mark Lyons. but Hey, you
0: be nice to Mark Lyons. I like Mark Lyons.
2: But what is Mark Lyons? Mark Lyons is a lead mm. guard who needs his shots,
1: right? right.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Terrell Brown would not have worked at Arizona last year. Terrell right. Brown didn't really work at Arizona the year before either. Certain guys are built certain ways. So what you need is a guy who's happy being Kyer or Pella Larson or whoever who's going to come in. And obviously you want him to try to beat out Kirk Risa. But he also has to know he's probably not beating out Kirk Risa right. or, you know, Adama Ball or Pella Larson, who's going to be happy taking less minutes, less shots. If you, again, if if you're the St. Bonaventure kid, but have a legit shot at getting to the final four. Have right. a legit, and have a better shot at a pro career because you're, you're, you're doing against better talent. Um, so I, 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 while well, I think Lloyd has to strike fast, he also doesn't want to bring in the wrong guy. And suddenly mess up team chemistry, and um, frankly, I don't think they don't seem to be a staff who sells you on a pipe dream, and you know a lot of guys are chasing that pipe dream.
0: Right now, a Tabellis, and then we're going to move on to a little bit of U of A football. I needed your uh, I needed your um, your expertise on a few things, um, Tabellis. What do you expect just from just from a statistical perspective? Let's say Dalen Terry comes back. What does William Brad Allis look at and say, that's what that's what I expect out of you next year, Azulis?
2: I want 16 or 17 points a game and seven to nine rebounds. Okay. And, and to be the best or second best player on the team. I think he's capable.
0: Totally agree with that. Okay. Um,
2: and he was for much of this year. I mean, people, it's in many ways, and I I can't believe I haven't thought of this before. Azulis Tabellis' season last season very much mirrors senior Hassan Adams.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: january yeah early that, january that's, that's hassan adams was averaging 19 points a game right. and then went into the the funk and the tailspin a lot of that was uh due frankly due to the death of shantanese Polk, who he was very close with right in two and a half months his scoring average dropped by six and a half points do you know right. how bad you have to play to do that right but people forget for the first two and a half months of the season, he would he was playing like the Pac-12 player of the year. Now, was Tabellis mm. that good? No. Was Tabellis that bad at the end? No. But Tabellis had a rocky finish to the season, which probably coincided with injury. I don't know if he was ever right because, you know, frankly, we know he had a high ankle sprain, which is a lot different than a normal ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, as long as he can get his head right, which you assume if you're healthy, you can, then I expect him to be really, really good.
0: All right, let's talk some Arizona football now. I had Greg Biggins on yesterday from 24-7 Sports. And Dude, I've known
2: Greg off and on since, like, 98 when he was with Student Sports.
0: Wow. yeah. Well, next time we're going to have to have a three-way in here right here. I don't even of know if he
2: remembers me. but Oh, yeah, Brad, remembers we you. We worked Stop. at the original version of Scout.com when it was the insiders.
0: The, he made a point. He was talking about Jed Fish, and he said, honestly, when Jed Fish was hired— I was kind of like uh, I was kind of like everybody else where I'm like, "Uh, I don't really know what to make of this one way or the other. He said, but after I talked with Jed Fish, after I talked with some of the people that he brought in, I started to think, okay, maybe this thing could work. And I asked him. And again, this isn't really breaking any news, but he said Arizona right now with the kids in California is a very interesting entity. Now they've got to start winning some games for sure. Has Arizona with the kids during your time, you know, covering, going back to the uh, uh, the, uh, the Tony Mason days, has Arizona ever been cool with... Sorry. Has Arizona ever been cool with the kids in yeah. California? Yes. Okay. Stoops Tell Sarah. me more.
2: Stoops era. Early Stoops era. For sure. And they were cool everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, they were recruiting Texas really like as good as Tommy could be in Texas. Stoops is better. Right. Um, Stoops was Stoops was in Vegas. Now he couldn't quite ever get the, the top tier Bishop Gorman guys, but he got them on campus. I mean, he got, uh, wh- wh- who's the guy who ended up being the running back coach here at Arizona.
0: Oh, um, um yes. Uh,
2: we we the, the Dallas Cowboy guy, Demarco Murray.
0: Demarco Murray, yes. Got
2: him on campus. They had a five-star linebacker, got him on who ended up going to Oklahoma, got him on campus. You know, he was going and what people really forget, there was a stretch there, and again, it was sort of Tommyitis. Stoops went toe-to-toe with USC on more than one occasion.
0: Not just Lewis Holmes, my friend.
2: No, no, no. No, he finished second almost every time. Right. But uh,
0: uh, the the since, Ru- Wright, um, Stanley Havili, Stanley Havili. There was a, there was a group uh, the, of defensive backs.
2: Inter- uh Everson Everson Griffin. Mm-hmm. Hey, I did an interview with Everson Griffin at his house in Avondale. So that's really uh, yeah, wow. legit. Um, uh, the, Devin no, Ross he
0: got Devin Ross could have gone anywhere.
2: Devin Ross, yeah, that was Texas USC. So yeah, they had some real cachet there, and they had. What they had is they had a really nice mix of recruiters. Right. Um, you know, uh, Tuyasa Sopo was in with that Polynesian community. Mm-hmm. Um, much maligned, but very, I think, uh, Canalis. Right. Uh Canales could recruit, man. Kids mm-hmm. liked him. Willie Tui uh, brought Willy him. Tuitama. In. And and again, Tuya had a low role, and then they, they used to debate who, who really brought Willie in. Right. Um, who was the wide receiver coach? Uh, uh, African American gentleman. He was that guy who could who could who could he was much like Rodney Tinchon. Could mm-hmm. be the cool uncle to one what to the kid, right. go and charm mom, go talk trash with dad. Everyone loved him. But yeah, they were they had a really good thing going. I mean, they kept, with the exception of, and why can't I think of the kid's name, the center from South Point.
1: Uh Chris O'Dowd.
2: Chris O'Dowd and a kid named Davila from Sienega. They kept all the local kids home. Mm-hmm. Um, they did very well in Phoenix. Tim Kish had a had a lock, not not
0: a very bond, long bonds.
2: Terry Longbonds, who, who again, never got a carry in Arizona. But was a four-star back. People forget how good. Yeah, he was a legit guy. Uh, they had the other Z- running. They had Xavier other, Smith. Yeah, Xavier Smith. Um, you look at you know some of the DBs. They did very well. JC, which Rich Rodriguez did not do. But, yeah, they were cool for a while. And then um, when they couldn't quite get over the hump, they kind of, you know, USC stayed USC. Obviously, Pete Carroll was there. And then you kind of had the – that was the rise of Oregon again. But um, they're kind of back in that uh, that case.
0: Hey, this is a great question from Sean Seely. Brad, did Tommy like recruiting or was it a necessary evil for him?
2: I think Tommy liked recruiting back then because it was a different game. Right. He could just go show up and find those diamonds in the rough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there weren't a lot of camps and showcases. There was – no internet or next to no internet um so if he found a kid he could you know that's why he he mined juco so well right people forget
0: look at all the nfl linemen they're all jucos edwin Mulatalo, marcus mcfadden um uh i know there's a ton more that i uh, glenn parker duh. uh
2: glenn parker you look at who is the other uh, polynesian guy who played in the uh uh, you know, same class, uh, that he, you know, he would go to snowflake and look at the, the Sprott brothers. He found Teddy at when what Roseville, California. Right. Um, and he also, you know, again, he, he took chances. He found a niche. It was first upon Eastern community, but he'd go in and find an undersized guy. Right. You know, he'd go find Rob Waldrop, go find Donnie Salem. Now, where there's some chemicals that maybe made him bigger and stronger. Yeah, maybe for sure. Um, You know, he'd go into L.A. and didn't have to go to the top schools, but he'd go find uh, the Lovett brothers. He'd go find Antoine Carter. Um, He'd go find Trunk Candidate, who played at an Alhambra team. I think it was Alhambra, who won one game in like two years. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's what he did. He went and he found these guys and saw that he could play. Now, was it always successful? No. Trunk Candidate was a defensive back whose mom had to beg him to give him a chance. You know, Dennis Northcutt started out as a defensive back. And he was and then, good
0: at defensive back. I think multiple interceptions as a freshman. He
2: had a pick six against John Makovic's Illinois team. Um, you know, uh Lance Briggs started out as a fullback. Um, but he brought in these these guys who were just athletes. Right. Found a place for them. And if you look at the number of guys who changed positions even when they got to the NFL. Um, you know, certainly there are criticisms of Tony and Tony, and I think there is a bit of some revisionist history. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, that guy could evaluate talent,
1: right?
0: So he actually got, didn't
2: like recruiting head to head against the big boys.
0: You know, because, what's amazing, you know, what's amazing though, about the recruiting back then? And I try to tell some people this Bijan Robinson obviously is one of the faces of college football right now. But if you were just to go by recruiting services, and again, recruiting isn't nearly as big. Michael and Mario Bates were every bit the high school recruits. They were both first-team parade all-Americans, and obviously Arizona got one of them. Can you imagine if Arizona football brought in like the top running back in the country? Like, I mean, but
2: but here's the big difference: if there wasn't cable television and the internet, Bijan might be playing down the street, so his
0: parents could see him. That's a good point. That's a good, Um, that's a great point. That's a great point. And even,
2: even 10 years ago, there were kids who wanted, I know there were some guys who ended up at the U of A from Tucson who would have left, but they knew their parents couldn't see them where they wanted to go. Right. Uh, And vice versa. There were guys who wanted to come to Arizona, but when for their games, I still remember going to watch an Arizona Oregon game in the early two thousands, mid and not like 2001, but like 2008. Right. But we had to, we found a bar that pirated the signal from an Oregon broadcast.
0: It sounds like your old uh, post game shows where you would have to, pr- or where you'd have to watch the show in the, what, in the uh, KNST room?
2: Yeah, well, Shu did that. I never did the KNST, but yeah, okay. we were able to, we found a bar on the east side. It's actually right there by the roller rink. <laughs> right. And they, they were able to, yeah, they, they're like, yeah, we got the transponder codes. We know a guy who works for the Oregon broadcast.
0: All right, let me ask you this. Noah Fafita, you could tell by what, talking with Greg Biggins. That again, he wasn't proclaiming anything, but you could just kind of tell, especially when he said there's something there with the kid. I'm going to put you on the spot. Over. And this is barring injury. Over or under, Noah Fafita starts a year and a half at quarterback at the University of Arizona. Barring injury, so that doesn't... So I will
2: say over, but mm-hmm. let me put an asterisk on that. Mm-hmm. if they're really good before he starts, they may out recruit him. Right. Um, because as good as I think Fafita could be at the end of the day, if you're suddenly bringing in a f- legit four and a half star kid who's six, three, six, four, that's just easier to run with. Right. And I don't know, again, you know, they got what Brandon Dorman or Doman. I don't know if how good he really is. I haven't seen enough of them um, because again, quarterback, is the hardest position to evaluate. I don't care what some people out there say. There's a reason NFL teams miss on 50% of their first-round draft picks. There's a reason teams miss on five stars. And there's a reason five stars sometimes need to change the scenery. I mean, everyone's like, how could Ohio State miss on Joe Burrow? Well, Ohio State lost about one game uh, when Joe Burrow left. Here's,
0: here's Here's the better one. Scott Frost said to Joe Burrow, no thanks, we have Adrian Martinez.
2: And coming out of high school, Martinez is a real deal. Yeah,
0: well, for sure. Trust me, I trust but me. I lived that. Look at hey.
2: Arizona, but look at Arizona. How many? You know, Richard check four star. Four star. Arizona kid.
0: beat Tennessee for him. John Rattay, even when he came over.
2: Yeah, yeah, although all you had to do was look at his arm and know, man, maybe <laughs> that, not. that's not good uh, enough. Nick Costa, Nick, your guy Nick Costa. You know what? We didn't know he didn't like to be hit. Um, shot uh, Ryan O'Hara.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, the six foot eight Ryan O'Hara,
2: a guy looked good, physically great, but it was the imagine, it was the ability to learn the system, um, right. you know. And then Tui Tama, I think, lived up to the hype. But you know, if he doesn't get concussed against LSU, he probably has an even better career. Um, well, then, like- but then look, who's the best quarterback in school history? Arguably, it's Nick Foles, mm-hmm. three star kid, couldn't get right. recruited in his own home state. Walked three different- on
0: Three different schools, committed to ASU, then went to Michigan State, then came to Arizona. And it
2: clicked. Now, now, and then had to beat out Matt Scott because of bad performance from Matt Scott because Matt Scott was more talented, frankly.
0: Let me ask you this. If you were on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX, and the uh, the Chiefs season is coming up right now, and again, barring injury so all the main players, would you bet on the DraftKings Sportsbook app that the Chiefs make the AFC title game?
2: It depends what my odds are, but I like, I think the Chiefs, and I think they have a two more signings ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they will end up bringing Melvin Ingram back in the fold, which will shore up their pass rush. I think they're going to add a, a defensive lineman. Um, and Yeah, I actually think the Chiefs are going to be sneaky. People are overlooking them. But the Chiefs, Chiefs just retooled their entire team in the draft and free agency.
0: Yep, and so again, that's that's where you would go. You'd put in five bucks on these NBA games, and it doesn't matter who win. you get one hundred fifty dollars in free plays. New customers. All right, before we sign off, let me ask you about the transfer portal here and how this uh, pertains to, let's say, let's use a Dia Barnes for example. I think this is why the transfer portal is a good thing. Now, our very close friend, John Schuster, does not like the transfer portal. I do like the transfer portal because I think it allows kids who come into – let's just use Arizona, for example. All the A lot of people are getting upset that, oh, you know, uh, nine kids transferred. Here's the difference, though. These kids can all go play immediately somewhere else. They don't have to sit out and – Adia Barnes, at the same time, can bring in more talented players. Again, you don't want 10 players leaving. I get it. But I think the portal is the best medium for both sides to be able to make both sides happy. Do you agree? You disagree? Where do you stand?
2: First of all, I find that people being irate at the transfer portal is misplaced. Because all the transfer portal is is a formal version of what's been going on for years. Right. The difference is now the automatic one-year transfer. Um, that you don't have to sit out the year. Right. I mean, the portal is just like a list, but that list existed previously. You just, it was a little less formalized. So let's not pretend that the portals is great. I mean, ask Lute Olson how many guys transferred out and in of the program without a transfer portal? Right. Um, now what I think the problem it's good and it's bad. I don't like guys. Like I find it really icky that a bunch of Washington state kids are going to Washington. Right eh.
1: Right. You know, just sure. like,
2: I think it would be awful if a bunch of ASU guys put up some good stats and came to Arizona.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now I think taking a lateral, you know, a step back leaving conference, going back closer to home in the case of Adia, bar. Well, let's, let's even, you know, if you want to use Adia Barnes or Shane Noel is Noel going to play at Arizona, not next year. So why should he not go to try to find a, a better situation? Right. Uh, and why should he be penalized? Because he did, he, he kept his word to Arizona and it wasn't the situation he signed up for right um, now. I think some of it is, you know, it's a cautionary tale. You know, let's look at Tucson and drew Dixon it took them two years to find a home.
1: Right. Two years
2: to find a school and he had to go to a much lower division. So a lot of guys are jumping in the portal thinking, Oh, this is my ticket. And they're going from D from Arizona or Oregon state or whatever to like D two NIAI schools. Right. So it's not, you got to be careful. Um, and I don't know what the answer there is because you could say, well, the school has to guarantee it. Well, why? You know, um, you know, so if you're our, you know, look at a lot of the guys who left Arizona who are now at much lower schools. But if, yeah, if you're nine, the nine players on Adia Burns's team and, and seven of them weren't going to play next year. Right. So why should you not be able to go and play right away? Exactly. Um, and do we need maybe, uh, you know, do I feel bad for teams? who cultivate a kid for two or three years and then lose them to a bigger school. Absolutely. Like if I was Duquesne, I'd be sick that we lost, you know, McConnell. Mm-hmm. If
0: I if was... you were UNC Asheville, you'd be sick. You lost Dylan Smith. And part of me would be like, why didn't Dylan stay? He
2: could have scored 20. But, <laughs> right. uh, you know, so yeah, it's not a perfect situation. Um, I wish maybe they'd create some, you know, I don't necessarily like the automatic. I'd almost like, I don't, part of me would almost like there to be some kind of like, process a better appeals process Mm. like okay you're shane noel arizona doesn't care if you transfer right away um but you know i think you know i never actually had a problem with schools blocking kids
0: right i didn't
2: like it when they block kids out of conference But i don't like you go going in conference just because for the same situation like i have a problem like if you're a washington state kid and the coach is like yeah you're not going to play and you go to washington that's one thing but just because you know you'd rather live in seattle than pullman yeah i don't know about that
0: all right, William. Can't thank you enough for hopping on here. William, you have your own podcast. Tell the people about it at honestly or obviously at Twitter at WSR Brad. What do you got? Yeah, yeah. We're still
2: for- on hiatus, just trying to find some good recording times, and you know, dealing with uh, basically just too much kids' sports right now with Little League and volleyball and and things like that. Hey, the Little League team is eight and one. The volleyball team is four and two. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll be start recording again here real soon. And uh, it is called the Wildcat Sports Report podcast. Uh, And I tweeted out, I put it on Facebook. You can find it on Spotify and Apple. Uh, Somehow when uh, my old hosting site went down, I can't get it up on the other ones. But, you know, it's good enough. And Anchor, I think. So check it out. Uh, Just follow me. Follow Mike. You'll find links to it.
0: All right, he's William Brad Alice. We'll be back on next Tuesday, twelve thirty. I am merely Mike Luke. Saguaro Cougars in the house. Sean Seely, that's for you. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all.